Welcome to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell. I'm a talent management thought partner and results coach, wife, and mom. Talent management leaders are hungry to learn from their peers and want to hear about real-life talent initiatives. This podcast is for and by talent management leaders. My guests and I dig into successes, challenges, and lessons learned from a very practical, not theoretical point of view. You'll discover important insights about how to elevate your confidence and amplify your influence in a role known for being caught in the organizational middle. I'm thrilled to have you listening. So let's get going and hear the truth about talent management today. Balancing parenthood and career can be challenging, especially when a senior leader tells you that your maternity leave erases all your previous experience. Tune into this episode to learn how my guest learned to advocate for herself and how this contributes to how she leads today. My guest is Sheila Austin. Sheila is the Vice President Learning and Development, responsible for internal learning, customer learning, and enablement at Blue Cat. Sheila is a self-proclaimed lover of learning, and she spent much of her career focused on how adults learn in a variety of industries, from large to mid-sized organizations. She leans in when it comes to learning reinforcement and improving people's ability to feel connected to the success of the work that they do. I truly enjoyed getting to know Sheila in this conversation, and I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, and welcome back to Talent Management Truths. I'm your host, Lisa Mitchell, and today I'm joined by Sheila Austin. Sheila is currently Vice President of Learning and Development at Blue Cat. And Sheila, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Welcome. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Lisa. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me. My pleasure. So let's start with a little bit of an overview of, of your background and how you came to be in your in your current role. Yeah, so I probably don't have the telltale journey from a learning development perspective, but I sort of fell into it. I was a successful sales professional in technology and thought sales enablement might be interesting. And so I spent some time there and I went back to school to understand some theory and principles in adult education. And then I eventually led a team in sales enablement, sales enablement morphed into corporate learning and development. And then this real focus on people leadership started to come to light. And now I lead a team that is responsible for internal learning, customer learning, partner learning, technical enablement, and sales enablement, which is a super fun and challenging role. And it seems very very far from where I started from a sales professional perspective, but I would argue that I probably use those skills every day when I'm working in learning and development. Yeah, that's interesting because one of the questions going through my mind was, do you miss sales? (laughs) But it sounds like you're really leveraging that. How does it show up in your current work? Yeah, so I'm super grateful for the time that I spent there in technology sales because it taught me a lot about how to communicate value to what I consider our internal customers, which is which is not dissimilar to how you communicate value to external customers in sales. So I think it's helped a ton in communicating where we need to go, as well as the positive business outcomes and benefits to the organization of doing certain things. Yeah, so really communicating and influencing stakeholders, which is a key part of, of, of what we do, right, when you're leading talent management, learning, and HR. So, you know, 
put us in in the picture as far as Blue Cat's concerned because it's a it's a tech company. So for layman's that may be listening and myself, tell us a little bit about what they do. Well, we provide really exceptional abilities for customers around their technology and their networking. I, as I explained to my family and friends outside the organization, we really allow organizations to scale their networking and really be connected to the rest of the organization. And, and we do it in a really exceptional way that is impactful to their business and is, is really necessary in order to continue to grow and develop. Yeah. And you shared with me that like the phrase that stuck out for me was that Blue Cat kind of provides the back end to getting on the Internet. Well, so that's that's definitely a way to think think about it. And it certainly is is the piece I think that is important is is how in ingrained we are in organizations as to what we provide from a, a networking and support perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. And you've got some really huge customers in all sorts of different industries, banks and hospitals and social yep. media. It's crazy. Yeah, so and we definitely have a lot of flagship customers, but we work with some of the largest banks, social media providers, hospitals, so on and so forth, and, and also mid-sized organizations. And we really allow them and work with them to be able to provide the services that we've become so accustomed to expecting through technology. Beautiful. Okay. So you've been at Blue Cat for, for four years and, and it sounds like you've been very busy building your team. You're, I think you're at 11 people now. So pretty cool when you come from being the first the first learning person on the ground. I certainly relate to that coming in. I, I actually love the blank slate, the build. It's very, very exciting, right? That carte blanche, like, wow, what are all these opportunities and where do we go from here? So what, what have been some of the really awesome initiatives that you've been able to to lead and and make happen. So great question there. And I would say not having done a build before, definitely daunting, but certainly so rewarding. And yeah. so I've had a I've had a ball over the last four years, just shy of four years, you know, building out the team and building out some pieces, some of which when not to say that learning wasn't happening, it was just sort of happening at the side of someone's desk and really having a focus around learning development at the organization has served us so well. We've done things like rolled out a learning management system, both internally and for our customers and partners. So, you know, those two instances and how they work together. We have, you know, rolled out an academy program recently, which the whole piece for that was we want, really wanted to ensure that the whole organization, no matter if you started in finance or technology or in sales, that we all sort of had a common language and knew the impact we were making to customers, what we did, and really the market that we played in, as well as the amazing organization we really feel like you joined. So that onboarding program academy as well. We rolled out a sales methodology about two years ago or so, which has been super successful. And once again, ensuring that the organization has a common language around our sales process and when we're communicating to customers. That was a big lift, but has been, you know, so impactful when you think about how it increased our you know, new logos, as well as, you know, revenue, so on and so forth. So I'd say that those were some some big pieces. We also recently rolled out a certification program for 
our customers and partners digital certification program. So that's been helpful with rewarding our customers and partners with completing some learning on Blue Cat products and services and really well received in the market. So lots of really big initiatives that have had a massive positive impact to the business. Beautiful. I appreciate the, the the little peek at what the customer learning part is, because, you know, I think for some some people listening, they may not have that component. And I have in the past going back a ways. And it is interesting, this idea of looking at your customers as learners. How do we serve them in that capacity? So you've got somebody so, like dedicated to that or is it more than one person? It's more than one person now. And we actually, I mean, we have a leader there who's building out that function. But I I would say that that's really such a opportunity for organizations in general is, is I've been at organizations where, you know, customer learning is in, in one side of the business and internal learning is another, sales enablement in another. When you look at things holistically from a customer, partner, internal perspective, you're able to share resources, share ideas, and really impact the organization and those outside the organization so much more because you have that bigger perspective on learning. And so we found it at BlueCat that it has been super beneficial to have all of those pieces of learning and enablement under one umbrella. Yes. And it's funny because there was a, pre- a previous guest. It was really interesting, though, because she has all of talent and marketing under her umbrella. So marketing for the whole organization. And and when I think about, you know, some past experiences where client learning was kind of under the purview, it sort of ended up being, you know, videos or or something on the website that you could point that salespeople could point the customers to. And learning wasn't necessarily involved until later, because then it was like, well, wait a second, who are the experts in how people learn and, and how to help them get that information? So a partnership was born. But here they actually brought it together under the same umbrella. And it's kind of like that here for for you it may not be called. I'm sure you have a separate marketing arm, but to have that client learning under your your portfolio is, is really interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a good perspective. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's dig in a little bit around something that you had mentioned to me earlier that I thought was really really interesting was your co-chair of the DEI Council at Blue Cat. I know you've partnered with an organization and so on. Could you tell us about the guided learning series that you've put in place? Yeah, of course. So something I'm super passionate about from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective. And I think it's important to note, we first started our DEI journey journey doing some learning for our DEI council, then our people leaders, and then our organization, as a lot of organizations have done. And then we continued on with our partnership with Harmony at Work, which is a really great organization. And we started to provide learning opportunities for our DEI council with what we call our guided learning series. And what happens is, you know, our DEI council members will facilitate really rich discussions on some really meaty topics with the help of our partners. So they'll do some research, but really it is our DEI council members learning and growing to facilitate these conversations with our internal folks. And, you know, these these topics include things like allyship and solidarity in the workplace ableism and disability. And so I, 
I think it's provided a really great space for people to continue the conversation and then also grow with these topics as we, outside of sort of standardized training. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a richer conversation. You know, like I'm a big fan of peer learning models. So I actually use it in my group programs with talent leaders. And in September, actually, I'll just mention there's I'm doing a talent talk, which is which is free to join on peer learning models. So it's so funny that you're bringing this up because I think that it's kind of having its moment in the sun a little bit. Right. This idea of we don't have to the facilitator doesn't have to have all the answers and, and you know, be that person to fill up these, these vessels in front of us with knowledge, right, to pour it in, so to speak. It's really about tapping into what do people already know and giving them space and time to reflect and talk through and be inspired. So, you know, I love that you're using this particular methodology here. So tell me about how you know if it's actually working. So like the impact it's having. You know, from a DEI perspective, I think that's really difficult sometimes. You know, we we had this discussion recently with our DEI council in terms of how do we know what is making an impact? And I think from my perspective, if we have people reflect and think a little bit differently, then even if it's just moved the needle a tiny bit, then I think think it's time well spent. And and we've seen that. And we've had people in the organization communicate that to us in which, you know, this happened. And because of the because of the conversation that we had and the open discussion, I was able to take that learning and really in the moment, you know, potentially have a, you know, stop at somebody and say, I think what you meant was was X as opposed to how it came out and sort of stop that 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 conversation from continuing for what would potentially be a negative experience for somebody from an equity perspective, so on and so forth. So I think it's feedback from from the people who are participating yeah. in the discussions, but it is a really hard thing to measure in terms of if it's having a positive impact in the business. Yeah. Do you do you currently do an engagement surveys or or anything like that that where you're where you're able to kind of take the pulse? Yeah. So we we do a annual engagement survey in the May timeframe. So we actually just got the results and we'll be communicating with our people leaders as to their specific results on Monday. So very, very soon. And then we also do pulse surveys throughout the year, just as as it sounds, get a pulse on what's happening in the organization, just sort of quick surveys because the engagement survey as as most is fairly lengthy and, and involved but it is once again a point in time reflection on what's happening in the organization so we try and do pulse surveys and then make adjustments based on that so sometimes we'll include a DEI question in that sometimes we'll include a learning question in that and in fact you know that's where we've oftentimes seen the impact that learning development has made since it you know wasn't in existence four years ago. We've we've measured success as in terms of do you see professional development opportunities at Blue Cat, and we've steadily seen it increase as one of the metrics over the last four years. So much so. Wonderful. Okay. One of the questions that I had I had sent to you before we before we met was around you know a challenge that you've encountered in your career in your work, and I was wondering if you'd share with us. I would say it was having a family. So I gave birth to three children in under five years, which means I took some leave from the business. And after one of my maternity leaves, I had a senior leader 
tell me that the work that I had done leading up to my departure was no longer relevant and that I was really starting from scratch in my career. And my youngest is now four, so, so that really wasn't that long ago. And so these conversations still happen. Of course, that was a huge blow to my confidence as I worked mm. really hard to build up my career. And I wondered if I could have a family and a really successful career in learning and development. Because as we know, the business really does change and the profession changes so rapidly. And so that experience made me search out opportunities and leaders that really valued my perspective as a working parent and that idea of bringing my whole self to work. So I, I've definitely found that at Blue Cat. I, I work with people who understand my commitments and lift me up because of those commitments and therefore have positively impacted my confidence. So if I was to be super reflective, I went from one extreme where, where my confidence was super negatively impacted to the other side in that I feel like I'm a better employee now with a greater sense of confidence be because of my family. And of course, that experience makes me a better and more confident leader because of the empathy it creates, especially in, you know, COVID circumstances. So whether or not you have a fur baby or an elderly family member or, you know, the plants that you need to water that are, that are important to you, you bring your whole self to work and, and that shouldn't affect your career, or your confidence. And so it was a really good learning experience that I continue to pull from on a regular basis. Well, you know, I'm I'm sorry to hear that you had an experience like that, that senior leader, really. Wow, I want to go and, and kind of tap them and say, hmm, <laughs> where are we coming from with that comment? And I want to acknowledge that you you reframed this whole situation, right, from the, being this huge, massive knock to your confidence and kind of bit of a bit doomsday and untrue, completely untrue, by the way, and have clearly been successful, right? You know, you're leading a team, you've built something of value, right? That has real, real heft in the world, right? You're impacting so many people. I always say that talent leaders, learning leaders, we are multipliers, right? Because when you are able to support your team and supporting all of those employees, those employees then in turn are able to go and support their families and, and, and their peers. It's, it's, it's really an exponential kind of domino effect, which I love. So with this particular challenge, you know, you've got three kids, you, you were saying they're pretty young. So nine, six, and four, a lot of listeners and a lot of the clients that I work with, they have, they have families, right? I do too. I have a teenager and it is a bit of a job to juggle the whole thing. You know, what would be your biggest piece of advice? I, I would say be vocal about it to what you need from an organizational standpoint. So I work for an exceptional leader who has created a safe enough space so that I can go to her and talk about some some challenges, such as I have three kids at home. I'm homeschooling three kids and there's a pandemic happening and I lead a global a global team. So that causes some some pieces. But I think early on in my career or earlier on when I started to have a family, I should say, I was super quiet about the fact that I had commitments outside the organization. And I, I, as I said before, you bring your whole self to work. So tell your leader and the organization what you need and, and don't make it a negative or a secret thing to, to have. You know, I'm oftentimes the first person to say, yeah, that, that you know, the 430 meeting's not going to roll with me because I really need to be present with my family during that time and I have commitments or what have you. So I think communicate what you need is important. 
Yeah. And that is really, really hard for people to do. You know, I, I, I think a lot of workplaces are quite toxic and it's it's just in general organizational culture is pretty tough, right? Expecting more, 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 more with less. That's why you have, you know, the, the recent legislation that passed the right to disconnect and so on, right in response to it's getting a little out of hand here. So I find it really helpful, that contrast of you used to be super quiet, like I've got to keep my personal side to myself too. You know, now I've got some boundaries. I've got some clear wants and needs and and about communicating those. And I think it's important, you know, not to be apologetic because if you know that you are 100% in and your hours may look slightly different, right? But you're it's not like you're the organization is is suffering at all. You're putting in your you're all, you're giving it your all, you're getting the results, then it's okay to have those boundaries. I think that's the core part that's missing. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I think it takes a long time or it takes a while to get there and have the confidence around that. However, I also think it's people like myself and yourself and other leaders who, you know, different genders or what have you or different places in their career who create a safe enough space to have these types of conversations. And so it's it's our our responsibility really and my responsibility to make sure that that I've created a safe enough space that people feel like they can bring their whole self to work and and speak up and that sort of thing. So which is which is why I tell the story really is so that we can create that dialogue. So what what does it what would you say it looks like to encourage people to bring their whole selves to work at your organization? Oh, showing vulnerability for sure. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll give a specific example I did today. So I picked up my son from camp yesterday and I asked him how his day was. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying, as anybody knows, I'm trying to find out what happened during the day. And I asked, oh, hey, is your, is your counselor a boy or a girl? And his response was not a boy or a girl, just a person. And I thought, wow, that is so powerful coming from him. And, you know, why would I ask such a question? What does it matter? Why didn't I ask him about his, did he have fun today? Who did he play with? How is his, you know, what his counselor do with him? That sort of thing. It didn't matter if it was a boy or a girl. And I shared that experience to the organization in a Slack channel that said this was a, a parent learning for me. And so I really brought my whole self to work today in terms of I shared a DEI learning experience for myself. And I also shared a parent moment. So that's, that really is my whole self to work. So how do you encourage that in others? Because vulnerability is, is, is so tough. Yeah. So I think it's leading by example through, through, you know, I did that as a senior leader and it gives, hopefully gives people permission to do just Mm. that is, is to feel like they could maybe not on a, a Slack channel, but maybe reach out to their leader or myself or other other people in the organization uh, you know my the and and have those conversations around safety and that kind of thing so yeah 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 excellent okay all right well so let's let's move on from the biggest challenge to what's what's the biggest opportunity that you're seeing right now i would say it's around people leaders specifically mid-level management our senior leaders for the most part are not the doers They're far away from our individual contributors. And as talent management leaders, we need to spend more time with our middle people leaders to make positive impacts in the business because those are the people who are coaching and developing 
our individual contributors and making day-to-day decisions that really affect the business. And whether that be ensuring we enable them to communicate information effectively to their teams, work cross-functionally effectively, or have personal development conversations with their direct report. Mid-level people leaders are the biggest opportunity for talent management leaders if if we really want to impact organizations and and the people they support. At BlueCat, you know, we've we definitely have areas of opportunity, but we we really have focused on that. And an example is is we went from having a perception around little to no personal development opportunities for our, our employees and as a result of really getting focused on enabling our people leaders to have those personal development conversations through training tools, you know, our, our employees recently helped us be awarded, you know, best workplaces for professional development from the Great Places to Work team. So that's a direct, a direct result of that focus on our on our mid-level people leaders. And I, I use the word, I use the people leaders intentionally and not mid-level management because we want people leaders, not someone necessarily managing people. Right, because managers aren't necessarily leaders, but leaders are managers and leaders. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that kind of, yes, yes. Okay. So I, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of value here because it, it makes me think of, I was a teacher decades ago, okay, like for two years. I taught middle school French immersion and core French. And I remember, you know, this, this dilemma where I had gifted kids in my immersion classes and I had learning and behavioral identified in, in the core French classes. So you had these kids that really needed tons and tons of extra challenge and attention for different reasons, okay? And it was easy to to let your time get sucked up on those two extremes and not spend enough time in the middle, right? Where people have tons of impact and tons of potential and deserve just as much attention, and, and I found that too later on with, with leaders, you know, do if you think about talent reviews and succession planning, a lot of times the attention is all placed on your high flyers and on the people that are struggling. And we forget to, to truly dig in and value the middle folks. So that's really in terms of, you know, the, the steady eddies, the po- folks that keep the lights on. Now you're targeting it more specifically to the people leaders, but based on impact and reach that they have, I think it's a really, really smart investment. Yeah, I would, I would, I, I love the analogy there um, when you were a teacher. So thanks for that. And I think you're 100% right. I mean, the impact people, mid level people leaders can have on an organization is just incredible. And so I think there's such an opportunity there to really focus and get clear on what development your organization is going to provide for them. Yeah, yeah, and start start directing some of the resources and time, you know, not just funding, but people, time, energy towards that area. Excellent. Okay, well, we are already at the end here. So I'm going to ask you one last question, which is what, you know, when you think about your career, particularly having started in sales and then fallen into to learning ultimately, what has been your biggest learning? So I would say at the start of my career, I, I didn't really advocate well for myself and then in turn my team. I always thought that my work would speak for itself, but I've found the hard way that you really need to proactively connect the dots for the business and circle back on the success you've had. So, 
you know, we rolled out this program, this was the desired outcome, this is how it positively impacted the business. And so as a result, this is why it's important and the impact that we've had. People don't connect the dots themselves on your projects. You have to proactively do that for them and be laser focused on providing positive business value to the organization that your team is providing. I'm so focused on this, actually, that in my daily gratitude practice, I literally write down three things I'm grateful for every day because I intentionally practice gratitude. But I also write down how I and the L&D team have moved the business forward that day. It could be something very small, like one of my team members had a great conversation with a new people leader or something large, such as we moved the engagement score from learning up by you know X percentage over the last year. But this practice allows me to be able to communicate to the business pretty easily the positive impact the learning development team is making in the business. And so I think it's around really advocating well for yourself and then in turn your team. I think the hair on my arm sort of stood up there. It was sort of had this tingle when you started saying that, you know, and talking about this daily gratitude practice and this reflection practice, because I just did a post on LinkedIn around reflection. And, and you know, we've been talking in the trust about reflection is the glue that makes learning stick. And here you're, you're you know, to keep that focus on, you know, the impact you want your team and yourself to have. It's like, I'm going to really reflect on what impact are we having? And that kind of leads to now what? So really intentional and such a a beautiful, consistent practice, it sounds like. Excellent. Well, thank you very, very much, Sheila. It's been a real pleasure to have a conversation with you today. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks so much, Lisa, for inviting me. I've I've had a really great experience. Wonderful. Thanks very much. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your colleagues. Better yet, head over to iTunes and let us know. When you subscribe and leave me a five-star review, not only do I glow from within, but more people will learn about the show and why they should listen. Until next time, keep telling the talent management truth.